I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. What I try to do when I teach, I define every word that I can. I do not believe in the English language when it comes to translating the Bible. The English language is very limited. Uh, in the Greek, you've got just the word. Let me show you this. In the Greek, if you're going to teach, you have to understand that the Greek language is very broad and the English language is very limited. See if I can find my place down here. This is, this will show you just how broad the Greek language is. This, this is just an alignment of about seven words right here. Seven words. This came out of Machen's first year Greek for beginners. And I took the copy of it and had it put up here. Jesse put this up on the board. The word the, there are 24 ways just to spell the word the. Does that make any difference? It makes all the difference in the world. And whether it's masculine, feminine, neuter gender in the singular, masculine, feminine, neuter gender in the plural. This is all the. And you've got the cases. This is where it is in the sentence. This is the way we would put it in our sentences. We would put the subject here. We would put the predicate here. The predicate. Everything after the subject is the predicate. I'll just put P-R-E-D. And you got the verb here. And then you've got either a predicate nominative or you've got a direct object here. The predicate nominative is the same thing in the predicate that equals the subject. Jim is the pastor. Pastor and Jim are the same thing. That's a predicate nominative. Direct object receives the action of the subject. Jim threw the ball. The indirect object is the is where the ball was thrown to. Jim threw the ball to John. He didn't throw John, he threw the ball to John, so that's the indirect object. That is what the accusative case is the direct object, depending on where it is in the sentence, if it's singular, plural, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender. The dative case is the indirect object. Jim threw the ball to John. And then genitive case shows possession. Genitive is like baptism. And when you put this on the board of repentance, when you look up of repentance, and you'll have to look that up, you'll have to look that up in a lexicon. Lexicon is a book. I've got it up here. It's Here's one right here. And you look it up. You get the exact spelling on it out of an interlinear Bible. You look it up, and it will tell you whether it's, if it's genitive case, it will tell you it means possessive. So if you look up of repentance, when it says baptism of repentance, it says that of repentance is genitive case. It means that true repentance possesses true baptism. That's why it can't be water.
So, you got all these ways to spell the. You see this right here, good. You got 27 ways to spell agathos. A-G-A-T-H-O-S. That's the same word in Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Agathos, to them that love God, to them who are the called, boy, I've got a lot to say about that, the called according to his purpose. It's that word love, agape, so those that love God. And you got 27 ways. The reason you got 27 in this case, you got a vocative case. That's a direct address. Good. Go do good. And then you have the word small. Mikros. We get the word microbe from that. A microbe is something so small, you've got to look at it on through a magnifier of some kind. Through a slide microbe. So this is M I K. R-O-S. The M looks like an upside-down H with a little flag on it. The I looks like an I. The K looks like a K. R looks like a P, but it's actually our R with the front leg knocked off. And then Macross. And you got vocative case in that, so you got 27 ways to spell microbe. And then you got you got righteous dikaios. Yeah, I put that on the board so many times. D-I-K-A-I-O-S. And you get the word dikaiosune from that. D-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-E, which is the word righteous. Which is the word righteous. And dikaiao, you got oi. Anytime you see something oi, that's plural. That's why it's under the plural, O-I. And uh, A-I is plural. So you got 27 ways to spell righteous. But that's not even righteousness. And that's not even right, D-I-K-E. So those are other words that come from this word. This is just the word righteous. Then you have to go into righteousness and right. So righteous means right. And then you have the word greater. M-E-I-Z-O-N. And Mizan means great or greater. And then you've got the word true, Alethes, A-L-E-T-H-E-S. The L looks like, looks like an upside-down Y. And then this is an Ada, the next word. You've got an Ada and an Epsilon. This is a a short E and this is a long E. This is like met, M-E-T. And this is like they, T-H-E-Y, they. And I don't have time. And then you have aletheia, which is the word truth, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. This is all the ways to spell true. Then you had him got to get into truth. And then you got all down here. This is 24 ways to spell all. And notice pos right here. Pos and the. When you look up whosoever in your internet in your Bible, it will say 
ho pos the all masculine gender singular that means there's one all it doesn't say whosoever whosoever is not a greek word throw that word out every time somebody says whosoever everybody in america will say will whosoever will it's not even a greek word so that's what whosoever means so that's why it's important that's why I had this put up on the board. I hope you can understand that. It's not even hard after I say these things a thousand times. Now, I'm trying to tell you by definition what words mean. I'm trying to tell you by culture and customs and by history what is going on in America. I've got a title up here. Coronavirus. I'm going to include something in this study on coronavirus today that I haven't really been including in detail. I've taught on this. Coronavirus, the four judgments of God are the sword, the famine, the pestilence, all through the Bible, and the beast. That's something I saw. I started trying to study the Bible when I was 17 years old in 1956. I didn't know where to go and what to do. My father was very shallow. I don't mean that as an insult. He just was. He was always the preacher in the pulpit. He'd quote the same seven or eight verses and then tell stories about his life and try to teach the Bible, and he really couldn't because he didn't know much about it. And I just was so unbelievably frustrated. So I began to study at 17 years old. And here it is, 64 years later, and I realize how little anybody knows about the Bible, especially preachers in America. Now, I would see sword, famine, pestilence, beast. I kept seeing that over and over in the Old Testament. I thought, what is this about? When I would see something repeat itself, I had to study for years to find out these were the judgments of God. They were God's judgments. And there is no separation of these four judgments. Here's how it worked. God told Israel, if you go after any other doctrine, they were leaving Egypt. They had been in Egypt in bondage 400 years. When they leave Egypt, they leave Egypt in Exodus the 13th and 14th chapter. Exodus, the 12th chapter, was the last plague upon Egypt, and that was the plague of the death of the firstborn. And that was called Passover. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The blood of the Lamb had to be on the doorpost of the house. They leave Egypt, and that 14 chapters where God destroys Pharaoh and his armies, takes them down to the Red Sea, pulls their chariot wheels off, and they drown. Then they go into the wilderness, and God tells Israel, as Moses is leading them out of Egypt, he leads them out in Exodus 13, 14. They're in bondage until that, until that tw- actually 12th chapter where that last plague comes, and Pharaoh says, I'll let them go. And then they go into the wilderness. 
But the first place they stop in the wilderness is Mount Sinai. That's in the southern. It's down in south. What did I do with my... Oh, here it is. That's in the in the southern peninsula of the Sinai Peninsula. Let me go here to a picture I like. All right. Okay, here's the Sinai Peninsula right here. They leave Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They come down here to the Sinai Peninsula. And they come down to Mount Sinai down here. And God gives them a law. He said, if you go after other gods, I'm going to send these four judgments on you. I'm your God that led you out of Egypt. I'm the one that picked out Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob's son, Joseph. And he will possess all of Israel through his son, Ephraim, his second-born son. And he said... If you go after other gods, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And that's what he did while they were a nation under kings. And while they were judges in the wilderness, when they were under judges in the book of Judges, they kept going after Baal and Grove and the Bible says they went after Ashtaroth. That is a generic term for all of the tree goddesses and gods. Ashtaroth. So they kept going after these. So God sends, he sends the first three judgments over and over and over again. Mainly because there were two positions in 1 Kings where they take on these idol gods. One is in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, and the other is in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. I want us to go over there to 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, and these are never separated. The sword, the famine, the pestilence. The coronavirus is here. It is pestilence. It is disease. I don't care how it started. I don't care who started it. I don't care if it was started by the Chinese or if it was started by us or who it was. I don't know. But I do know this one thing. It is the judgment of God because of the lies that preachers are preaching from the pulpits in America, and they've been doing that ever since Israel and the kingdom of God, a 500-year period from First and Second Samuel Kings and Chronicles. That was their kingdom, and God says, I will send these three judgments over and over again, and then I will finally send the beast to carry you away. And the beast will be Assyria, the Assyria, which was actually northern Babylon, northern Babylon. Babylon was on, Babylon was the same thing as Iraq here on the, on the Euphrates River. 
And God says, I will send them in to carry you away into Babylon, into captivity. Assyria was up here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. That was at one time called Georgia, or it was called Armenia. And they, God called them down to carry northern Israel away because they kept going after all these gods. And he said, I'll scatter you all over the world and I will bring you back into one nation at the end of time. And you're going to see that along with the pestilence, along with the sword, which is war. We've got war all over the world right now, and there's no cure, no answer. That's what the Bible says. There will be no answer for the judgment of God. I don't care if they cure coronavirus. If you think this is the end of God's judgments, you're really wrong. If you think, I'm not taking a stand with anybody. I have people write me and correct me and call me all kinds of names because I won't stand on the right or the left. I don't stand with that. I don't believe in Joe Biden or Donald Trump. The Bible says, what have I to do to judge those who are outside the church? I do know these viruses, wherever they come from, God put it in the minds of men to create them. It's God's judgment. And if you think they're going to cure it and it's going to go away, they can cure this and God will send something else. Because we're close to the end of time. Look here in 1 Corinthians, about 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings. Before I go to 1 Kings, let's look back at Leviticus the 26th chapter. In the 26th chapter of Leviticus, God says the same things he said to Israel in the, 20, the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. This is just a second witness of Deuteronomy 28 and Ezekiel 14. Uh, not Ezekiel, Exodus 14. It's the same thing as Exodus 14, the same thing as Deuteronomy 28. Now he says in verse 3, If you walk in my command, my statutes and keep my commandments, then I'll give you rain in due season. The land you will yield her increase. The tree and the field shall yield their fruit. In Deuteronomy 28, he says, Your basket will be full. Your storehouses will be full. That's the way he put it in Deuteronomy 28. Your threshing shall be reached into the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely the way he said it over in Deuteronomy 28 you'll go against your enemy one way and they'll flee seven ways then he says down here in verse 14 he says the corresponding verse in Deuteronomy 28 would be verse 15 if you don't keep my statutes and my commandments and will not do all my commandments, which with the preachers in the world today, the charismatics preaching how God wants everybody rich, God wants everybody healthy, and God wants to prosper you money-wise, that's not true. America is less than 5% of the world's population. Most of the world is starving and dying. If you don't keep these things, and if you despise my statutes, which they despise among the charismatics, they're saying, 
prosper and be in health. Prosper is the word euhodos. It means well way, and there's one way. It's the narrow way, and only few will find it. Narrow is the word thalibo, and it comes to the word thalipsis, which is the word tribulation. The way is the tribulation way. The narrow way is T-H-L-I-B-O is the common word tribulation. Tribulation. And they've turned, and Thalipsis is the word narrow. Thalibo is the word narrow. And tribulation is the word Thalipsis. They're basically the same word. One's a verb, the other's the noun. They're the they're the noun and verb form of the same word. So, if you don't keep, how can you keep this when these guys are saying the well way is money when it's tribulation? And health is the word hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Hugiano is the same word that Paul would use. Third John 2, the word health I would that you prosper and be in health. Health is the word hugiano. It's the same word as sound doctrine. It means uncorrupt words. How can you be obedient to God when you think you've reinterpreted the Bible, you just reached the word of God and said prosper means money. And health means the health of, a, of an Olympic athlete. That is a lie. You can't be obedient to God's word when you are twisting the word of God to have your fleshly way. You're going to go to hell for that. Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, T.D. Jakes. So that you will not do all my commandments, and yet break my covenant, I will also do this unto you. I'll even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning og. People say, what's the burning og? Kodakoth, Q-A-D-D-A. Q-A-D-D-A-C-H-A-T-H. That's the word burning. Og means fever, inflammation. Inflammation is our main problem with health. When you have heart problems, you have your arteries inflamed with plaque. I've had triple bypass surgery. I know what it's about. I take simvastatin every night. It means to inflame, burn, or kindle. You'll have this in your lungs, in your body, and your bronchial tubes. Boy, I've had that. That shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart, and you shall sow your seed in vain, because you'll sow much like Haggai says, and you'll bring in a little, there'll be holes in the bottom of your bag. For your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, Israel. America, how can you be obedient to God when you got the Baptist preaching about accept Christ for, a, for the method of salvation when the Bible says the natural, the physical man cannot accept spiritual things. You can't accept Christ when you're not interested. There's none that seeketh after God and there's nobody interested. If God didn't put the interest in your heart and faith, you're not going to heaven. You shall be slain before your enemies. Oh, this is exactly opposite. 
Well, it's exactly what he said over there in Deuteronomy 28. If you're obedient, you go against your enemy one way, they'll flee seven ways. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursueth you. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times for your sin. He says, I'll punish you seven times, four times in this chapter. And each time he says, I'll punish you seven times. He names sword, famine, pestilence, beast. He names that each time he says this. Now let's go over to first. So there, Leviticus is while they're still in the wilderness. When you get to Deuteronomy, the first four books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, P-E-N-T-E-T-E-U-C-H. Pentateuch. Pentateuch comes from pent, means five. It's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's what the Pentateuch is. And in Deuteronomy, by the time they get to Deuteronomy, they're ready to cross the Jordan River and go into the land of Israel and possess it. God has killed off all the unbelievers in Israel. He's killed them all off. And they have... Get back over here to this map. Now, so you get into Deuteronomy, and they're coming into the land getting ready to. God's forbidding Moses from coming because he disobeyed God. I won't go into that right now. Then you get into Joshua and they're going into the land. This land was given to Abraham. Given to him about 600 years before before they come into the land. It was given to Abraham. And Abraham... Abraham was the father of the Jews. Now, when you get over into 1 Samuel, this is a book on Saul and David. Samuel is their leader. He's the prophet in Israel. The people say, give us a king. And so Samuel says, but God is your king. They say, we want a man to rule over us. And Samuel says, well, God has got all of these all of these." Uh, uh, lightning bolts and earthquakes and fire from heaven to defend you. You think you would rather have a bunch of spears and bows and arrows than that? They said, yes. So in the eighth chapter, they're murmuring against Samuel and God says, I'll give you a king. He'll be the wrong king. He gives them Saul. Then Saul comes up, doesn't do the will of God in the 11th, 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th chapter of of first samuel god takes the kingdom away from Sam, excuse me from saul in the 15th chapter and makes david the king in the 16th chapter then saul from that point on is trying to kill david all the way through the book then david becomes the king in second samuel and he, that's where he goes and commits adultery and murder in the 11th chapter of Second Samuel by looking at Bathsheba, bringing her to the castle, and she becomes pregnant by David's baby. Then God has to kill the baby, and he has Nathan, the prophet, uh, preach to, to David and say, and tell David, you're the sword will never leave your house. You're the guilty man that killed this 
man and took his wife. Then when you get into 1 Kings, that's when Saul, not Saul, I'll get it right in a minute. That's when in 1 Kings is where Solomon becomes king. Long story, lots of detail. I'm skipping through a lot of this to show you about what's going on in the world today. It's the same thing that was going on back here. We're under the sword that's war. I checked out on the internet one day back several months ago how many wars are going on in the world today. There, at the time, there were about 50 wars all over the world. 50 major wars are going on. That is the sword. And we don't have any answer for that. The best generals don't know what to do. How do you reason with ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Hamas and Hezbollah and any other terrorist organization? You don't reason with them. They do what they want to do. That's the sword. The famine was always here and accompanied the pestilence. When you see those children in Africa and in all of those nations over there starving, got the little bloated bellies, that is the judgment of God upon their families and upon their life because they're worshiping sun and tree gods. It all comes out of the same system. Look here in 1 Kings. This is where... Now they had Israel going after... They had them going after Baal in the grove in the book of Judges. And God kept, God kept delivering them out of their hands and they would keep going back to Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech, Ashtaroth. They'd go after all the gods of the nations around them. Well, that's the same thing that Constantine brought into the Roman Catholic Church and renamed the Christ Mass. We still have that in the world today. We've got a world full of politicians that say, we're going to cure the coronavirus. If you do, God will send something else. Nobody's going to cure the judgments of God. The Bible says so. Gosh, how can I get this over to you? Look here in 1 Kings. All I'm doing is giving you a bird's eye view of this coronavirus and everything that goes with it. The sword, the famine, and the beast. I'm just giving you an overall picture of it. Now... What this is about is about prophecy. Prophecy is about what Israel did when they were a nation. And God picked them out out of all the nations of the world there in Deuteronomy 7. God said, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest and the biggest in number. I choose you because you were the smallest. They were the smallest. And God didn't give the truth to anybody else in the world except Israel could say much about that because that's actually the bottomless pit Abusos, the place of no knowledge was all over the Mediterranean Sea all the lands in it now look here in 1 Kings Solomon is the king he just finishes building the temple in the ninth chapter and what he does in the 11th chapter, Solomon prayed a prayer 
in the third chapter of 1 Kings and said, Lord, I am just a nobody. How can I rule this thy so great a people? Give me wisdom. And God says, since you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you wealth and riches. And he did. I don't know if that's what messed up Solomon's mind, but Solomon got messed up really bad. The 11th chapter of 1 Kings is the reason, what happens here is the reason that God splits Israel in two. They were Israel. They were a united kingdom. I've shown you this on this map so many times. And what happens in the 11th chapter, and this is what's happening in the world today. What's happening in the 11th chapter? Before the kingdom was split, it was a united kingdom under Saul, David, and Solomon. It was Solomon's sin in this 11th chapter of 1 Kings that caused God to split the kingdom into southern Judah and northern Israel. Southern Judah was named after the tribe of Judah because southern Judah the king would come out of Judah. So God split the king from northern Israel. And northern Israel was given to Joseph, Jacob's 11th son, through his second-born son, Ephraim. Anytime you see the Bible talking about Ephraim, after, long after Ephraim's dead, it's talking about the ten northern tribes. During the days of Jesus, they were called the Ten Lost Tribes because only southern Judah came back from this captivity. Southern Judah was comprised of the tribe of Judah, Judah, and Benjamin. Benjamin is the twelfth son of Jacob, Jacob's name being changed to Israel. So Judah and Benjamin comprise the southern so you can call it southern Israel northern Israel Joseph received the inheritance through his son Ephraim that's when Jacob crossed his hands and put his right hand upon Ephraim that the inheritance came to Joseph he was the 11th son of Jacob he got the inheritance they were split. The Bible teaches at the end of time they're going to come back together and become one in the hand of God. And we're going to look at that in Isaiah 11th chapter and Ezekiel the 37th chapter and that's the Valley of Dry Bones dry bones I'll go to that after a bit and they were split because of this 11th chapter Solomon allowed his wives 700 of them and his concubines 300 of them a concubine was a secondary wife she could bear children by the king Solomon had all of the sex all of the women that he wanted. And you know what he said about them in Ecclesiastes after he was old? He said they're vanity and vexation of spirit. Vexation is a word that means to 
grabbed for the wind. I couldn't catch the wind. I was trying to catch my own lust with all these women, and I couldn't. You know that when you get old. Verse 1, chapter 11. This is one of the most important chapters in all the Old Testament about Israel's apostasy and their falling away. And it came about by good, righteous Solomon. He wasn't very righteous while he's doing this. You know, I want to ask Solomon when I get to heaven, why did you do that? And you know what he's liable to say? Well, Jim Brown, why did you do what you did? Uh, no excuse, sir. But King Solomon loved many strange women. He just finished the temple of God in the ninth chapter. What? <laughs> strange doesn't mean weird. It's the word no-kri, N-O-K-R-I-Y. It means foreign. There, if there's many foreign women that he loved, they are not anything but idol worshippers because only Israel had the promise from Jehovah God, not these strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, are you kidding? And she's got Venus and she's got Isis and Osiris and and all of these other gods, they had a thousand gods or more than that in Egypt. And women of the Moabites. Solomon, are you, what are you doing? Moab was southern Jordan, what we call southern Jordan, right next to Israel. And they worshipped Shemosh there. C-H-E-M-O-A. And this God says at the beginning, if you go after other gods, and you don't keep my statutes and my commandments, you think Solomon is going to cause sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast to come? He's going to initiate it. It's what he's going to do. And that's what's going on in the world today. It hasn't stopped since back then. These preachers that preach, Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, they don't talk about a daily cross and death, death to death, all except denial. They'll talk about Jesus loves you and he wants you to have a good life and just pray and get close to him and walk a closer walk with God and your life will be really good as you go on and you grow in the Lord and he love God. He doesn't tell them you have to die to the flesh. He doesn't tell them men are wicked and evil even when you're a believer you got sin in your flesh. If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Yes, we were born of God, and whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. That's the inner man. But you're dealing with the outer man, the flesh. I don't hear those guys talk about that. Let's read on. All the nations, the Ammonites in Ammon, they worshiped Molech and Moloch. The sun god of the Ammonites. Ammon was northern Jordan. That's right next door to Israel. This is Jordan right here. The land of Ammon is up here. The land of Moab is right down here. Moab and Ammon were the sons by Lot's incestuous relationship with his two daughters. And that has another story to go with it. 
Let's keep reading. And of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go to them, neither shall they come unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart from their gods. That's what Nehemiah the 13th chapter said. It said all these women led good Solomon away from God. You can't intermarry. Intermarry doesn't mean black marrying white. That has nothing to do with that. It's talking about truth marrying a lie. That's why the sons of God, which were believers, intermarrying the daughters of men, which were unbelievers, they were descendants of Cain. They brought corruption into the world. That's why God sent the flood. Good grief. Can't you preachers figure that out? They'll turn away your heart from their God. Solomon clave unto these women. It says in love, but I, let me put it this way, in lust. And he had 700 wives, princes and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. This was Solomon who built the temple of God, beloved of David and of his mother Bathsheba. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord and his God as was the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the tree goddess and the goddess of the Sidonians. That's Sidon just north of Israel and the king of Sidon was Ethbaal the father of Jezebel and when Ahab married Jezebel she brought her gods down and after Milcom another name for Molech or Malcolm the abomination of the Ammonites northern Jordan and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord boy that is a profound statement I hope God doesn't say that about me but he probably will for all I've done in my past. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high place for Shemosh and the abomination of Moab. Good grief. What's he thinking? In the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech another name for the sun god of northern Jordan or the land of Ammon Ammon Jordan A-M-O-N Jordan is the capital of Jordan now the abomination of the children of Ammon likewise did he for all his strange wives all of his foreign wives this is uh, such an important chapter it tells you how real corruption entered Israel and sacrifice unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. I guess so. Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel. And he was the guy that was humble before God in the third chapter. Finished building the temple in the ninth chapter. You're going, how can he do this? You know what his problem was? I'll tell you one word. The same problem with all men, women. He had so much lust in his heart, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, and he could not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded him. 
what did he say he's going to do? What did God say he's going to do in Deuteronomy 28? If you go after other gods, I want to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. Then I'll send the beast to carry you away after 500 years of going after these other gods. You say, is that what the world's doing today? Oh, absolutely, America is. Covetousness is idolatry. Idolatry means to go after other gods. Covetous. Pleonectes. P-L-E-O-N-E-K-T-E-S means to want more any way you can get it. That's the word covetous. It's idolatry. Idololatry. E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Idolatry means to go after other gods. It comes from ido meaning to see and latruo meaning to serve what you see. You go look in the mirror and you serve that guy or that girl in the mirror. You deserve this new car. You can work three jobs to get it. Your car becomes your idol. You look in the mirror and I got to just get the right, my, put on the right makeup and look real good for the world. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as you did all of this, thou hast not kept my covenant, my statutes. Those are the very words out of Leviticus, the 26th chapter, and out of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. If you don't keep my statutes or my commandments, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend, thee, rend from thee and will give the kingdom to your servant. It'll go to northern Israel. So God promises to split the kingdom right here, and that's what he does in the next chapter. This is when... I'm not going to go into the story when Jeroboam takes the ten northern tribes north and Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, takes some really bad advice from his teenage friends and this kingdom is split. And I've talked about that. The whole point of this, the kingdom being split and the inheritance goes to northern Israel and the king will come out of southern Judah. The whole point is they will come back into one nation at the end of time. And there is no remedy, no answer for this split or for the pestilence or for the famine. You can get anybody into office you want to and they're not going to fix all these things when God sent them. I don't care who they elect. Nobody's going to fix it. If if they re-elect Trump, he's not going to fix it. If they elect Joe Biden, believe me, he ain't going to fix it. Not God's judgments. Oh, if they come up with a cure, they call it a cure and it won't be. God will send other things. Once these things start at the end of time, nothing's going to fix it. Not because I said so, because the Bible says so. Let's go over here to the Let's go to the 16th chapter of 1 Kings. Just a few chapters later. And you go through all these kings in Israel, and it leads you to Ahab. Leads you down to Ahab. 16th chapter. And he is a king in northern Israel. In northern Israel. This is this bunch right here, Joseph or Ephraim. He's the king. And Ahab marries 
Jezebel, her father Zethbel, the priest of Baal. He worships the he worships Baal in the grove up here in right above Israel is Sidon, Tyre and Sidon. When you said one, you were saying both of them. When you said Tyre, same thing as saying Sidon. That was one of the headquarters of the fire worship of the early world. The other headquarters was Babylon down here on the Euphrates River. God compares the king, the prince of Tyre, and the king of Babylon with Satan himself in Isaiah the 14th chapter and in Ezekiel the 28th chapter. The fire worship, Babylon was the mother of all idolatry in the world. And it's founded upon self. Let us make us a name. Now, let's look here in the 16th chapter. Let's get to Ahab. Here's Ahab right here. We move from the 11th chapter from Solomon down to Ahab. Went through Jeroboam. He's the one that rebelled against Rehoboam. Then Nadab. He only gets a couple of verses in in 1 Kings. Then Baasha, he was a wicked king. Elah, wicked king. Zimri, a wicked king. Omri, the father of Ahab, wicked king. Then Ahab marries Jezebel, and she's up here in Tyre and Sidon. And that's where Baal in the Grove comes from. Here's Israel down here. And here's the Mediterranean Sea. And here's Tyre and Sidon. And the prince of Tyre was very wicked. This is, this is Jezebel's father, Ethbaal. means with Baal, Ethbaal. Ethbaal. This is the same system that Constantine brought into the church and renamed the Christ Mass or Christmas. Same thing. Because if it's not of God... And it was some foreign worship. Babylon mothered all of it. Now just for preachers preaching what they're preaching. They're preaching a prosperity gospel. They're preaching an easy accept Christ gospel. They're not preaching daily cross, death to self, self-denial, being hated by the world. They're not talking about being reproached. Bless you when men shall reproach you. Anienzo means to be infamous, infamous, not famous. You have to be famous if you're a if you're a top real estate salesman in the state. You got to be real famous with a lot of people to get them to buy from you. If you're a top insurance agent, you got to be real famous with a lot of clientele to get them to stay with you and buy with you. If you're a famous singer, if you're a famous guitar player. Whatever it is you're famous for, you've got to be an enemy of God. And that's what the Bible says. You're only blessed when you're infamous. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they reproach you, when they separate from your company and cast out your name as evil. That's what it takes to be a Christian in America. And you can get mad at me if you're watching me on the internet. You can say it or whatever you want to, but that's Bible, that's God. He said that. Now, let's go over here to 
the 16th chapter. Let's look at Ahab. He's down the line there. He marries Jezebel. She's one of the wickedest people that ever lived. She brings her gods into Israel. In this very chapter, two of the most infamous chapters in the Bible are the 11th chapter of First Kings and the 16th chapter of First Kings. Here's Ahab. Solomon was a good man. He got the minds of the people on that with all of his wives and concubines. And here in verse 29, let's read 28. So Omri, the father of Ahab, slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. Now Ahab is on the throne. Boy, they gave a good name to that captain of the of the ship in Moby Dick, Ahab. What a name. Don't name your kid Ahab. Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all the kings that were before him. He did something really bad. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. It was a light thing. Jeroboam brought in golden calf in Israel and Ahab thought that was not even an important thing. That Ahab thought it was a light thing to go after the sins of Jeroboam who brought golden calf in. And it came to pass it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel. Boy, that needs a great big yellow marking star around it and blinking lights. He took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. The worst hasn't happened yet. The worst is going to happen in the next few verses. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. He, Samaria is a term for northern Israel. He built a temple for Baal in northern Israel. And Ahab made a grove, an Asherah. Do you think Ahab didn't know who God was? You think he didn't know who Joseph God was? Yeah, he knew. Do you think that he didn't know the promises of God, what God would do? I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And he rid up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal. He made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings, than all the kings of Israel that were before him. When you go into the next chapter, a man comes out of the woods, out of the wilderness. We don't even know what he was. Elijah. God says, Israel, you know my judgment. Famine. Elijah comes and says, no rain. 
for three and a half years. You won't even have dew on the ground. Nothing. Boy, if these two are not important chapters, what's God going to do? Bring famine and pestilence? You know what it would be like if it didn't rain in America for three and a half years? There would be millions of people dead. There were hundreds of thousands dead in Israel. Elijah said, no rain, I'm gone, I'm out of here. He didn't give him a chance to repent. He wasn't going to repent. God hardened his heart. And Jezebel, she says, I'll kill that man for what he did. And she's after him. And there's no rain. In the 18th chapter, in the 18th chapter, Elijah has a confrontation with Ahab. He runs into Ahab. And Ahab says, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah says, You've got to be kidding. You're the one that brought sun and tree worship in here. God's going to kill you for that. And he eventually does. He calls a man named Jehu to kill Elijah. I don't have time to get on that right now. But that 18th chapter is where Elijah said, You want to serve the sun god? You brought Baal and the grove in. The grove was the tree goddess. Baal was the sun god. You want to worship. And the sun god was represented by fire. And in that 18th chapter, Elijah says to, says to uh, Ahab, Get your prophets out here, your priests of Baal. All those prophets of Jezebel. Bring them out here. And he says, let's build an altar out here. And I'm going to make a deal with you guys, talking to those priests of Baal. I'm going to make a deal with you. You pray to your God and do your kind of rituals that you do. And... You pray all day long if you want to. And we'll make a deal. The God that answers by fire, he will be the fire God. Is that a deal? They say, okay. They get out there and scream and jump up and down on their altars and cut themselves and bleed all over their altars. And Elijah starts making fun of them. In verse 26 of chapter 18, they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even unto noon saying oh Baal hear us do you know how ridiculous they looked the priests of Baal wore tall white, white pointed hats and white sheets and worshipped a flaming cross on the lady day in the ancient world look like a bunch of clansmen out there Christmas and the clan come out of the same thing if you're black and American, you can celebrate Christmas. You're crazy. Well, Baal, hear us. There was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar, which was made, jumped up and down on it, and breaking it. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. That's why I mocked Kenneth Copeland out there cursing 
the coronavirus. The Bible says these evil men will curse the plagues of God in the 16th chapter of Revelation when it comes at the end of time. I believe he's an evil man. He'll be in hell one day. It came to pass that Elijah mocked them, said, cry aloud. Perhaps you're not loud enough. Cry aloud to Baal. Maybe he can't hear you. For he is a God after all. This is in verse 27. Either he's talking or maybe he's pursuing. Maybe he's out chasing somebody or some other God. Or he is in a journey and peradventure he's asleep. You need to wake your God up. And he has to be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves in their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them and it came to pass when midday was past they prophesied until the time of the evening and the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer this is why God brings sword famine pestilence and the beast the leaders of Israel just like the leaders of this nation they're going after the wrong gods I don't believe because somebody says Jesus saved salvation that they're believers. They're going to stand for the truth and fight for it. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near and said unto him, He repaired the altar of the Lord that they had broken down all day long, looking like a bunch of fools. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would be contained, two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it again the second time. Four barrels of water. And they said, and they did it the second time. He said, Do it again the third time. Four barrels of water. I want to show you who God is. You talk about a fire God and that Baal was supposed to be the fire God. The Lord our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4. And they did it a third time and the water ran around the altar and he filled the trench with water. It came to pass at the time of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, and he prays about a 32 word prayer. I, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, and let this people know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of God fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. 
And they said, The Lord, he is the God. The God, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, and let not one of them escape, and kill all of them. And there were over 400 of them. And Jezebel gets furious in the next chapter. So I'm going to kill that man by this time tomorrow. He's killed all my prophets. Boy, this looks crazy, doesn't it? When God says you go after other gods, and she's mad because she goes against the laws of God, bringing this into Israel. This is why the sword, the famine, the pestilence is out there. And there's no remedy for it. Can you show me that, Jim? Yeah. The last thing he does is bring the beast in to carry Israel away. The beast is Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. You can find that in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, excuse me. Daniel. Started with a D. And it was something like that. Daniel 7. The first few verses there in verse 1 to about verse 6. You can find the beast in Revelation. Revelation, the 13th chapter, and it's always a lion, a bear, and a leopard. And the last beast is the beast with iron teeth. It's the Babylonian lion, Babylon. The bear, Persia, the Persian Mede Empire, Persia Mede, and Greece with Alexander the Great. He's the great leader, Alex the Great. And the beast with iron teeth is Rome, and it devours all these others here, devours these three and takes over. And the Roman Catholic Church comes out of the Roman Empire. Roman Catholic Church, which is the same thing as the fire worship that Israel was involved in all the time they were a kingdom. And this is the reason for the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then the beast will carry them away. And there is no cure or no remedy. Let's look at the let's look at the last time we see the beast carrying southern Judah away. Go to Second Chronicles 36. How much time to have, Mike? 27. I'm not going to get through this today. This is going to be a two-part series. Well, at three, maybe, maybe more than that. Second Chronicles 36. When you get to Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, let me explain something to you. Second Kings... is the end of Israel's history of Israel's history second chronicles is the end of Israel's history second chronicles so you got to read both of them you get down to that 36th chapter, that's the end of southern Judah. Judah, and that it is the beast that comes in 
or Babylon that comes in and carries us away. Second Kings, you get down to that 25th chapter. Actually, you get to the 17th chapter. That's the end of northern Israel when they're carried away by Syria. We've gone through all of that. The 25th chapter is the it's the it's a sister chapter to the 36th chapter of Second Chronicles. It gives you approximately the same picture that second one will give you more details than another so if you're going to study southern judah being carried away or southern israel the tribe of judah and and benjamin they're carried away in 586 bc northern northern israel is carried away in the 17th chapter of second kings in 722 B.C. This is the beast carrying away into captivity. This is the final judgment of the beast. The sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. It's called the beast because these Babylon is represented as the lion, Persia as the bear, Greece as the leopard, and there's reasons for it. The Babylon, the lion, Babylon, because she was the most regal of all the empires, the most magnificent. And the lion is the most regal of all the beasts of the field or the forest. The bear is the largest carnivore in the world. The last one that eats flesh. And Babylon had, Persia had the largest armies. They took two and a half million men just to attack Carthage, which was an empire that was rising up in northern Africa. And then the leopard was Greece because that's what Alexander the Great was. He was like a killing machine. And the leopard is the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous animals for you to confront in, in the Serengeti. Leopards hunt at night. They hunt to eat. And they're going to kill you if they come for you. A lion may not kill you. He may shake you up and throw you on the ground and walk away. A bear may do the same thing. Not a leopard. You will die if he comes after you. He can grab you if you're a 150 pound, 160 pound man. Grab you by the nap of your neck and climb a tree with a 150 man pound man in his mouth. And he's doing that to hide you from the rest of the carnivores. And then the beast with iron teeth is Rome. Iron had to do with Rome. Boy, that that gets into the into the image of Nebuchadnezzar, or the gold head of gold, the chest of brass, a uh, chest of silver, the torso of brass, and the legs of iron. And that was Rome. That's the same thing as the beast here. Now. Look here in second. I'm showing you that this beast has no cure. The viruses have no cure, though they may come up and cure them temporarily, but they'll, they'll come back or God will bring us something else. I believe we're sitting on the verge of eternity, mainly because this split between the kingdoms, between northern Israel and southern Judah, is over. It's not split any longer. Look here. 
in verse 15, chapter 36, Second Chronicles. The Lord God of his, verse 15, the Lord God of their father sent to them by his messengers, talking about Israel, talking about southern Judah here. He sent his prophets to them, telling them, don't go after these other gods. Rising up betimes, sending, and because he had compassion on his people and his dwelling place, but they mocked the messengers of God and killed them. It is said in history that they put Isaiah in a log and sawed him in two, cut him in half. They despised God's words, misused his prophets, until the wrath of God rose against his people till there was no remedy, Marpe, no cure. There's no cure for the beast. And there's no cure for the pestilence. I don't care what kind of invention they come up with. You cannot thwart the judgment of God, not on a permanent basis. They can come up with a vaccine all they want. If you think God's going to turn away from all these lying preachers, they've been lying for thousands of years. These lies that the Charismatics and Baptists are preaching goes all the way back to Israel. If you don't tell people about a daily cross and debt to self and self-denial, you don't tell them that Christmas is Christ Mass, it's paganism. You don't tell them that Christmas, it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America, that they had outlawed Christmas and Easter and all these papal practices in early America. I don't know what's going to happen, but this this thing is not going to stop. We are because the beast is here. The beast is a world order. They're talking about a world order, which is the beast. That's what Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome was. It wasn't a new world order. It's the same old world order. Boy, are we in trouble. And therefore they brought upon them the king of the Chaldees. Chaldees was another name for Babylon. That was Nebuchadnezzar, who slew their young men with the sword. Oh, there's the sword. Killing Israel. In the house of their sanctuary. God came up on God sent Nebuchadnezzar in to come upon these people in their temple and kill them in the temple. Who was in the temple? Supposed to be the priest of God, the sons of Levi. And had no compassion upon young men or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. And he gave them all into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and his princes, all these he brought to Babylon, and they burnt the house of God, break down the wall of Jerusalem. This was in 586 B.C., and Nehemiah didn't hear about this till 444 B.C. And then when he heard that the house of God was burnt, they didn't have telephones or emails back then. They didn't have cell phones. So it took over 140 years for Nehemiah to hear about that in Babylon. And burn all the palaces thereof. Why? Because they're going after these sun and tree gods. 
these preachers today are going after other gods. They're going after another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And Paul said, I didn't preach that other Jesus. And the other Jesus is Satan transforming himself into an angel of light. Transform, metaschematizo, means to disguise oneself. These guys are disguised in these pulpits in America. They're not telling truth. No definition to what they're saying. And them that escaped the sword carried he away to Babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the king of Persia and Persia overthrows Babylon. And Israel was still in the captivity under the Persian monarchs. To fulfill the word of the Lord by Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. They had sabbatical years every seven years, and they never kept them for 490 years. Seventy times seven. And then the king comes in, of the Cyrus, the king of Persia, comes in the 22nd chapter and gives a decree to rebuild the temple. Now, go over with me over to, well, let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs 29. There's no cure. They think they're going to get rid of this with a vaccine. The only way you can get rid of the false teachers and America's not obedient to God is kill off all these preachers. <laughs> They'd had to die in the Old Testament. 29th chapter. Verse 1, he that is often reproved, was Israel often reproved by all the prophets? Oh yes, over and over and over again. He hardens his neck, shall suddenly be cut, be destroyed, and that without remedy, without marpe, with no answer. There's no answer to this. Now go over to Luke, the 20th chapter, 24th chapter. 21st chapter. I'll get it right in a minute. Luke, the 21st chapter. I'm sure I'll have to finish this next week when I come. I can't ever finish it. I've How many times have I taught on these verses and gone in great detail? I did about, I did about 87 messages just on the history of Israel back about 20 years ago. And I didn't finish the history. Everything that Israel did is the same thing that's going on in America today. The preachers are lying as fast as they talk. What do you mean lie, Jim? Well, they cover up. If you cover up the truth, that's a lie. And they won't tell it. You know why I believe they won't tell it? They don't know the truth. They haven't studied their Bibles. They haven't studied the words. They haven't studied the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors. How can, how can Christians in America obey God? I have people call me all the time and say, all this defining you're doing, it's made a new world for me. It's, I love the truth that you're teaching. What I'm telling you is why the coronavirus is here. It is a pestilence and when the stores when the stores are emptied of certain certain products because they can't manufacture them or people not working that's famine 
is it going to get worse than this? Oh, yes, it is. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. In Second Timothy, that third chapter, they're going to get worse and worse. It's not going to get good. The Bible says at the end of time, the love of many shall, says that over in Matthew, Matthew, the 24th chapter. The apostles say, what's going to be the sign of that coming of the end of the world? Well, all these things are going to go on, the Bible says. And I love that verse in chapter 24 and verse in verse 12. Well, there's going to be many will rise and shall deceive you there in verse Take heed you be not deceived. Many will come in my name. Verse 5, saying I am Christ and will deceive many. There will be wars and rumors of wars. That's the sword. All these things shall come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation. The word nation is ethnos. It means Gentiles. Are the Gentiles fighting? All over the world they are. They're fighting in the streets of America. What do you think this is if this is not a prophecy of the end? It is. I've been studying the 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964. I've been studying prophecy, trying to get a hold of it all those years. I can stand here all day and all night for months and go through prophecy with you. I don't even know where to go when I get up here. I just, off the top of my head, putting these things together. I've spent my life studying it. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines. Oh, famine. Pestilences. Oh, pestilence, coronavirus, and every other kind of disease. Earthquakes in diverse places. means various all these are the beginning of sorrows. It's just, we're just getting started on this thing because there's going to be great tribulation such as was not from the beginning, no, nor ever shall be. In verse 21 of this chapter. For there shall be great tribulation such as was not from the beginning of the world, no, nor ever shall be. You think this is going to stop with coronavirus? And they're going to get a vaccine? And everything's going to be okay? We're going to get back to where it used to be? No, it's not going to happen. And if it happens, it'll only be for a while, and then God will visit us again. They'll deliver you to be afflicted, in verse 9, and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and they'll hate one another and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive and because iniquity shall abound this is the verse I was getting to the love of many shall wax cold love is that word agape agape is walking in the commandments of God America's not walking in God's commandments they can put on a good good show on TV and talk about patriotism and how we're going to deliver America and nobody's going to deliver America I didn't say that the Bible says there's no remedy 
Love is agape. Wax cold is the word suko. P-S-U-C-H-O. P-S-U-C-H-O. Wax cold, that's the word suko. It means to breathe gently, a reduction in temperature means to chill or to die. Walking in God's commandments is not going on in America. If you think a Republican rally or Democratic savior is what the world needs, it's not. None of these guys are going to bring salvation. None of them. I'm not for anybody. I'm against everybody that don't believe God. You can put a beautiful person up there and make them look good and sound good. That ain't going to deliver anybody. That's like having a cheerleader come out and stand in front of you while you're in a burned out building after a bomb goes up. Say, give us a cheer. Rah, 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 sis, boom, bah. You'll feel good after a while. Don't think so. Look over here in Luke 21. Luke 21 is a sister chapter to Matthew 24. And here's why this is not going to go away. In Luke 21. When you hear wars and rumors of wars and commotions, be not terrified for these things. This is in verse 10, uh, verse 9 must come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Nation has to rise against nation and so forth. When you go down here to verse 24, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, it's talking about Israel. When they did start falling, 586 B.C., southern Judah fell, 722 B.C., northern Israel fell. And they were split into two kingdoms in in first Kings, the eleventh chapter, due to Ahab's godless building of temples for Baal in the grove, in the sixteenth chapter, God it says, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the kingdoms apart. At the end of time, I'm gonna bring them back into one nation. They're back. As of May 14, 1948, that was their Revolutionary War. They've been conquering everybody ever since. But a Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. That's not going to make them believers because they're over there. They couldn't possibly have had all these victories in the, in the War of Independence in 1948 in the Sinai War in 1957, in the, in the uh, Six-Day War of 1967, and in the Yom Kippur War of 1973. They had overwhelming victories, and it was not possible. It was Mighty Mouse fighting all these cats. That's what it's like. And the next, look here. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword, they started falling in 586 and 722. And shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. 
and the until the times of the Gentile rule over the Jews is fulfilled. That's happened in our generation today. Great day in the morning. People don't even care about prophecy. And I love that next verse. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon. I could spend a lot of time on that, but I won't. I don't have time. And in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. We're back to no answer. Aporia, no answer. What is there no answer for? There's no answer for the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. It's marpe. It's no cure. No answer. No way out. We're sitting on the verge of the end of time. Now there's a man that's going to rise up at the end and says that he's got the answer. Do I have any time? I'll just give you this and I'll stop and I'll come back and cover it. Back over to Daniel. Daniel, the seventh chapter, is talking about these four beasts. They'll rise up and there'll be a man that the Bible refers to as the king of fierce countenance. He's called the man of sin in the New Testament scriptures. The people today will call him Antichrist. Antichrist doesn't is talking about anyone who denies Christ. Antichrist is only mentioned in first and second John. It's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. This king of fierce countenance will be the man of sin, the head the man that heads up the world beast system at the end of time. Boy, they've been talking about a world order. When George Bush Sr. started talking about a new world order, first time I heard him say that I went, Whoa I thought just started breathing hard. I'd heard about a new world order since I was a kid. And this king of first countenance, in the latter time of their kingdom, talking about Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, the latter time will be at the end of time. When the, This is verse 23. When the transgressors are come to the full, when there's so much transgression against the laws of God, that's happening today. What chapter? Chapter 8. Verse 23, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. The word dark sentences is the word kidah, C-H-I-Y-D-A-H. C-H-I-Y-D-A-H. Kidah. This is the amazing thing. He's going to claim to have the answers to sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. That's the dark sentence. It means puzzling, tricky questions, conundrums, hard questions to be answered. He's going to claim to have the answers. It looks like we're keying up for somebody to rise to that position. The world's going to have to believe in him. And his power shall be mighty, but not by, by his own power. It'll be the power of Satan that's in the man. 
he shall destroy wonderfully. He's going to, they're going to declare war against the church in the 13th chapter of Revelation. And the earlier part of this book in the 7th chapter, they're going to wear out the saints. And shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and holy people. That's us. We're going to go under attack. And through his policy, Sekel, intelligence, very smart, Sekel. Well, that can't be Joe Biden, could it? Through his policy, he shall cause craft to prosper. Craft is the word mirma. M-I-R M-A-H He shall cause trickery. He shall call deceiving, fraud, guile to seduce by trickery. This leader of the world, boy, we've got men vying for that position today, don't we? They're wrestling for it. He'll cause this to prosper. We're talking about, let's go back to Leviticus, uh, to Luke. Let's go back to Luke. And look what Luke 21 says. Men's hearts will be failing them for fear, verse 26, for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken, Verse 27, Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin, not when they've been happening a long time, when they just start to come to pass, look up, lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. It's here, the end. I believe we're right on the end of time. I don't see how it can last much longer because of all of the lies coming from the pulpits of America. A man that spewed, that set this thing for, that set this world for this position. I believe Billy Graham did more than anybody else when he preached to accept Christ and got all the preachers in America preaching it. Because it's not true. Sinner's prayer for salvation he preached, not true. Am I out of time? Yeah. I believe we're right up on the end. Whether people like it or not. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Lord, we pray that you'll fight all of our battles. We're going to have a lot of enemies that rise up against us. I believe you're at the door. I'm anxious to come be with you. I've never been so tired of my old weary, wild body. I've got a lot of enemies, Lord. It's your battle, not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. I don't feel like fighting nobody, Father. You do with this situation the way you want to. If it's according to your mercy, open up doors for the ministry, Lord. 
get this message to as many people in the world as possible. We'll praise you and glorify you for all things. Lead us to your elect family. And I pray for the church that everybody that writes to us that's thrilled with the message, you strengthen them. Give them strength to stand wherever they are. Make them strong in truth and faith. We'll praise you for everything, Father, and give you glory for everything that's going on. Christ's name we pray, man. Well, that's not the end yet. Started to say the end. <laughs> not yet. Not till it's over. Like, like Yogi Berra said, it's not over till it's over. But you're not the children of the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. <laughs>